0: Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing in the room today? Everybody good? That was kind of weak, but that's okay. Thank you for being here anyways. I want to welcome all of our folks online with us. Welcome, welcome, welcome. In fact, can we give those guys a hand? Everybody here in the room, thank you so much. And if you're out in the lobby today, thank you for being with us out there as well. Give it up for them, too, guys out in the lobby out there. Thank you so much. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint, and I'm so glad you're here with us. I want to say a special welcome to my mom and my dad and Miss Sue right here, all these folks right here. Wave at them. I'm so glad you guys are here. Came to see me on my birthday. Um, This is November, and Thanksgiving's coming. And I have tried to live um, with the awareness of what I'm grateful for, not just on one day, really all through the year. Um, I started the year just thinking, making this the year of gratitude for me, but I really wanted to lean in on this month. And Friday was Veterans Day. And I wanna just say to all of you who have served or are serving, um, how very, very much we appreciate you. And we thank you for your, your willingness and your sacrifice. I I was in uh, Manila in the Philippines about three weeks ago, and we had an opportunity to go to the World War II um, cemetery there where there's 56,000 men and women um, who served. Some of them were lost at sea, so it's just a marker uh, reminding us of them. And, And I was reminded in that moment not only of their sacrifice, but the fact that every time somebody signs up to serve in our nation's armed forces, you know that that could be an outcome. And uh, the fact that you do it anyway says so much about who you are and what you think about our country. And I just wanna say uh, again, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Every person who served, every person who is serving, um, you have my utmost respect and appreciation and and the admiration of this entire church family. Thank you, everybody. God bless you. Thank you so much. Um, today we're wrapping up this series um, on money called "If Money Talked." We know it can't talk, but we know what it—that if it could, it would say some things to us. Sometimes that might be a little bit uncomfortable. Um, last week, if you were here, we talked about the fact that both Solomon. Solomon said that the wisdom of the prudent. This is Proverbs 14. He says, "The wisdom of the prudent." is that they give thought to their ways. Haggai, Haggai chapter one, the prophet Haggai says to the people of Israel, to those people that were there, he says, give careful thought to your, you remember this word? Ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Solomon says the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to your ways. And we, we taught from the, the parable that Jesus gives called the prodigal son. And it's not a money parable, but it is a ways parable. Ways, if you remember, are behaviors, habits, trends, patterns that we have, all of us have, about how we function relationally, financially, morally, spiritually. We all have ways. And the wise man said that we ought to give careful thought to our ways. We said last week um, that sometimes God will allow famine seasons, seasons where it feels like the bottom has dropped out. He will allow some of those in our lives in order to help us in the way that the, 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 the sun does in Jesus's story, come to our senses, and then to reorient our lives around a new way, a new path. Today, I want us to think about what that way could look like. As we've said, Jesus taught so much about money and possessions. In fact, of his 35, 38 parables, um, 16 of them were about money and possessions, more than prayer, more than heaven, more than hell, more than all of them combined, actually. And maybe the reason he spoke so much about money and possessions because he knew where our hearts would drift and how our hearts were going to, what our hearts would focus on. So he leveraged what was most important to us to get our attention. I think he taught us these things about money and possession, not so much because he wanted something from us, but he wanted something for us. And he knew that money never promises more than it can actually deliver. Money doesn't. The, The promise being that as soon as you get a little bit more, I'll finally deliver. Money doesn't promise that. But culture, our world, our marketing mechanisms do. And so last week we read from Haggai and from Solomon that we ought to give careful thought our to our ways. And Solomon in chapter 14, which is where he said the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, several verses down, verse 12, he says, there is a way that seems right, he goes, but in the end, it leads to death, a kind of death, the death of something, death of plans, death of dreams, death of relationships. The reason we ought to give careful thought to our ways is because sometimes the ways we're on have bad outcomes. Give careful thought to your way. So maybe there's a better way than the ways we've been thinking collectively as a country about money. And I'd like to suggest there is a better way. Um, on Tuesday nights here at LifePoint, we did a pop-up group. It's, it's this will be week three called If Money Talked by the same material pastor named Andy Stanley. I'm gonna borrow some from that series today a little bit. I wanna get real practical here though. And then we'll get to some spiritual principles. There are, I want you to think about this. There are essentially five things that you can do with money, right? There are certainly subcategories within each of these, but there are five essential things that you can do. The first thing you can do is you can spend it. Can, can I get an amen on that one, right? Everybody, you're like, it's that season where I'm spending more than I ought to. Come on. You can, you can pay debt with it, which you, you've racked up by spending too much of it. Come on, somebody, right? you can pay your taxes right you can pay your taxes um you can you should right you you can save money and then lastly you can give money away these are the five things that you can really do practically speaking uh with money but i want us to i want us to think about them a little deeper now now when you think about these categories i can spend it that's about me i can pay debt that's about me i can pay my taxes well that's about me and and come on good old u s a Uncle Sam, everybody. Um, I can save money that's about me, and then I can give it away, so that's about God and other people, so it's me, 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 and if I have any left over, then god and 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 other people can get that. if i haven't spent it all, if i don't owe it all, come on, if the government doesn't take it all, right, and i I don't save some for myself later, then perhaps. God and somebody else might get something. And this is called me first living with some leftover giving. Me first living with some leftover giving. I don't know about you, but I like the idea of leftovers. I don't like to actually eat them. Can I get a witness except for on Thanksgiving? Um, like It's like, we should save this because there are people hungry places, but then you open it, it has a, come on, does it have a smell to it? It's like, hmm, that doesn't smell like it did the first time, right? Um, so, so this is a totally understandable framework that we live by uh, because this is the script for life. This is the way that most of us inherited or many of us did this is often what we saw modeled in our homes and this is certainly for sure what our culture encourages but when jesus showed up on the scene and began to teach about money and possessions he flips the script he takes this script and inverts it here's what he says in matthew chapter 6 verse 21 he says for where can you say this with me for where your treasure is there your heart will be Also, Now, he's not trying to shame us by saying this. He's not trying to make us feel guilty about it. He's just just telling us a principle, a fact of life, that whatever gets our money, our treasure, also gets our attention. I'll give you a perfect, for instance, if you've bought a new car recently, does that have your attention? Do you notice so many more people who have taken your idea to have this kind of car, right? And they're copying you. Come on, have you seen this, Right? Like, like, a little bit of your heart involved there because now you're parking at the back of Target, right? At the very outermost purposes. Not because you're trying to make sure that everybody else has a shorter walk. Come on, right? Right, like, like here's how I know the last car you had smelled like spilt milk and french fries if you have little kids. Come on, stale french fries. And now you're like, no sippy cups in this car, right? No french fries in, in, in this car, right? Bird, you better... You better watch where you're putting all that stuff, right? Come on. That's too much. That's too much. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, so Jesus is saying, if I want to know where your heart is, if I want to know what's going to get your attention, your passion, your time, I'm going to look at your bank statements, your credit card statements. I'm not going to read your, I'm not going to look at where you read in the Bible. If I, if I want to know where your heart really is, I'm going to look where your treasure is. Now, Jesus isn't after your money, right? Come on, we are, we've said this. Not one time do we see Jesus asking for anybody's money except the time he says, does anybody have a coin? He says, whose inscription? And then the best we can tell, he gave it back to him. What is he after? He's not after your money. What is he after? Your heart, right? And the best way for your Savior, for your Heavenly Father to take possession of our hearts is to allow him to take possession of how we manage our resources. Now, lots of people dedicate their hearts to God, especially in times of crisis. But Jesus asked his followers not just to dedicate their hearts, but to dedicate their possessions, because that's how he would know whose they really were. Now, Jesus knew that our money and our possessions are where the rubber meets the road in terms of our ultimate devotion. Now, it's so much easier. Think about it this way. It's so much easier for you and I to say, God, I gotta, I'm going to trust you in my health. I'm going to trust you with my relationships. When, when I'm going through a crisis in my marriage or in my finances or whatever, I'm, I'm going to trust you in these areas. I mean, when you get diagnosed with something or you, you find out that you're very sick, of course you want God to intervene. Yes or no, right? Yes, God, come in. If you lose your job, you're like, please, God, get me another one. Let the HR director of so-and-so call me back. And you want to know why it's easier for us to trust God in those areas than it is in our finances is because... We don't have control over our health anyway. Now you could be very, very healthy and say, I have control over my health. And then you can get a disease and, and you don't have control, yes or no. Somebody can hit you. I'm not trying to wish bad things on you. I'm just telling you, you don't have, so it's easy to go for something I don't have control over anyway. Say, God, be in control over this area. And, and the reason that money is different is because money is tangible. You get to decide, we get to decide what we do. We have a modicum of control there. So, so, if our money could talk, it might say, My direction reveals your affection. That's what Jesus said. My direction reveals your affection. So, let's go back to the list of priorities again that we said. Um, how most of us spend our money, and in which order, right? It's me first, it's me second, it's me third, it's me and country fourth. And if there's any left over, if I have some compassion around some issue that's going on, if I feel guilty, if there's a hurricane, if there's an earthquake, then I might give. And, and when you think about it in those terms, it's kind of messed up. It, it, come on, just be honest. It's a little bit messed up. I mean, to me, it's, it's a little bit embarrassing, but it is the way, it is the way that most Americans handle their money. And so Jesus says, I want you to flip the script. I want you to reprioritize the way in which you handle money. And as a reminder, here's what he said. We've been reading it every, t- every, every weekend. Matthew chapter 6, say this with me, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, the key for us to keep the pursuit of more, the infatuation for the latest and the greatest from taking the driver's seat in our life, the key to stopping that from happening is to reprioritize something else above the need for more. So Jesus says, if you want to get this right, you want to be free, you want to have financial freedom, you want to have peace around that, you want to live a different kind of life. Do you, do you want to find control over yourself? Control so that our often our lack of self-control, especially in the area of finances, doesn't get us in trouble or embarrass us. I, if you want to get control over that, then you gotta start by seeking God first. God's kingdom is an other's first kingdom. Is, it, is that true? Yes or no, right? And you and I live in a world that is a me first kind of world, right? And Jesus, when he walked on this planet, modeled um, a life where he fearlessly and courageously put other people first. He put other people ahead of him. And he's inviting us to walk out our lives like him, with that kind of priority system. And he's promising us that when we do, we're gonna find actually more peace and more joy and more purpose and more fulfillment. And by living this way, by putting Jesus first, this is the key, our lives become a means to an end. And the end is not just me, myself, and, and mine. It's about what God is trying to do in the world in the hearts and lives of people, it's about investing ourselves into kingdom realities. Seek first God stuff. That's what Jesus said. This is his ideal. I want to I I tell you something. I've said this before. In life, there is the real and there is the ideal. Okay? There is the way things are and there are the way things ought to be. So the way things are, that's real. The way things ought to be, that's ideal. And often there's a gap between the two things, between the real and the idea. But Jesus, when, you, when he comes in the Gospels and he teaches the Bible, uh, teaches from, from the text, he gives us new ideas, he's always pointing us to the ideal while giving us grace for the real. Right? He'll say, you've heard it said you should not commit adultery. That's, that's the real thing that, that is said in the Old Testament. Because, but I'm telling you that any man who looks at a woman lustfully as in his heart committed adultery. That's the ideal. Here's the real. Here's the idea. And there's often a tension that exists between the real and the ideal. Because a lot of times we'll be like, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. Bro, that's 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 ideal. But I'm over here in the real. I got to pay bills. I got college tuition to figure out. I got houses and cars that aren't going to pay for themselves. And that's why Jesus doesn't finish with, hey, put God first, put God's righteousness first. He understands all of this stuff. And this is why he finishes with, and all these things, all the things that we worry about, the things that we're grinding for, right? He says, will be what? Given to you as. Well, like, like, I love you. I understand life. I know you don't think I do, but I walk this planet. I know the things that you worry about. I know the things that you want. I don't know the things that you need. They're going to be provided for you as well, but I just need you to trust me with the first. Don't put you first. Don't put your stuff first. Don't put your kingdom first, because we said this last week, because when we put us first, we inevitably come in last. And many of us have found this out The hard way. And here's why. We are created beings. We are created by God. We are created for God. And we exist best when our hearts are oriented towards putting God first. And when we get this out of order, there it creates disorder. Financially, relationally, whatever the the, the dynamic, whenever God's not first, we get that out of order, it creates disorder. Now Jesus is actually inviting us into something. He's inviting us into a world, to use his term, a kingdom, where we don't go first. It's his invitation to give some before you spend it or save it. Or, 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 and consequently, by giving some to God, right? we're giving ourselves over to God. And do you know why Jesus taught this? Not because, again, not because he wants your money. It's because he wants not what he wants from you. It's what he wants for you. And he knows what's best for you in the same way as a parent. We often know what's best for our kids, even though they don't believe that we do. Come on, they think we're in the way or we're, we're trying to hold them back or we're the obstacle to their happiness, but we actually know because we've lived longer, not because we're smarter, but because we've lived longer, we know what's best. And God says, if you'll trust me with the first, you're gonna find more peace, more joy, more purpose, more fulfillment, more meaning. And ultimately, now you may not believe this, when you prioritize Jesus first, when you flip that script that we just read, you actually will find that over time you're gonna have more financial margin, you're gonna have more margin- than you did before you put Jesus first. And if you say, I don't know about that, I would challenge you to find anybody who's lived putting Jesus first for, not not, not they tried it that one time, for that one weekend. I'm talking about they live their lives like this. I challenge you to ask them, I, I dare you, don't take my word for it, take their word for it. When I started doing this, everything changed. I guarantee you, that that's the story you're gonna hear. They had more margin, they had more peace, and, 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 and when they trusted Jesus, all these things, why? Because all these things will be, what? Given to you as well. This isn't an either or. This isn't others to the exclusion of you. This is about priorities, pure and simply. It's about who comes first. It's about seeking his kingdom first, and he'll take care of you. Simply put, give, save. I think we have it here, maybe. Give, save live. We've been saying this all along. Wise people, wise people give some, they save some, and they live on the rest. The really wise people decide percentages for all of this. The, the wisest people say, I'm going to live disciplined to give a per- this percent and to save this percent and to live on that percent. That's what wise people do. Like, go ask anybody who's dealing with money, and they'll tell you this is the way. They don't have to be Christians. They could be the worst part of it. They, they can be the opposite of a Christian, and they'll tell you this is the best way to live your life. Right? So you're going, okay, Danny, I like that. It's probably right. Um, sorry, my mic's just moving around by itself. It's got a mind of its own. We're going to get it fixed. All right. You're like, but, okay, Danny, but I'm over here in the real where I've overextended myself, we got problems, we got, like, I don't know how to go from here to there. I would say in this, it's the same way we do anything that's hard. We start practicing it. Practice, come on, not perfect. Does that make sense? Like, I'm over here, I'm out of shape, I gotta start working out. If I go, I'm gonna go and work out with the dude that's the fittest guy on the planet. Come on, I'm not gonna move the next day for like a week. Right? I got to start practicing. We're talking about practice. Anybody? Uh, <laughs> sorry, only NBA fans know what I'm talking about right now. So here's, here's how we start that. We start practicing gratitude. But godliness, Paul says to Timothy, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So it doesn't mean that I don't ever want more or different or better or bigger. It just means that I'm grateful for what I have. God, I'm grateful for this home that you provided. I'm grateful for this apartment. I'm grateful for this room I'm renting. I'm grateful for whatever it is. God, I'm grateful for the job I have. Lord, I'm hoping someday to get a better job, but I'm gonna be faithful in the little things, trusting that you are going to, come on, we know the biblical principles. There are principles at work everywhere. God, I'm grateful for the mind I have. I'm grateful for the talents you've given me. See, the thing about it is, is those of you who are talented, like I'll give you for this, for instance. Some of you can sing and some of you can't. But <laughs> right, those of you who can sing, you're like, I'm getting a big head about it. Listen, you were born that way, right? Those of you who can't, you're bitter about it. You're like, I'm going to learn how. No, no, you're not. You either can, come on, or you you can't. You should still sing unto the Lord, but do it by yourself. Come on. Okay. Don't try out for the team, all right? I'm kidding. You can, and they'll just tell you no. Okay, anyways. So, but if you, can, if you have a, a talent for certain things, God gave that to you. So, you can't say, Well, I'm, I, I make this much money because of how smart I am. Why are you so smart? You were born smart. Some of us, come on, we, less smart, all right? I'm, I'm grateful, God. I'm grateful for all of it. I'm grateful for every bit. The second thing we do is we practice generosity. We practice gratitude because that contents us when we realize how blessed we are. We practice gratitude because we're seeking first the kingdom. And, and we practice prioritizing something uh, over ourselves, someone over ourselves, this is the tangible evidence that Jesus Christ is, is fundamentally Lord of your life. This is what lordship looks like. It's like money, you're not the boss of me, Jesus is. So let's start to wrap this up. I wanna flesh this out just for the next few moments. I wanna leave you with a very big question. It's a question that doesn't seem like it's about money, but it actually is. But it is a question that becomes the framework or the ethos of how we think of our ways about money. So Jesus tells us this parable in Luke chapter 12, and here's how it goes. And he told them this parable. Parables are stories that Jesus crafted on the spot to teach kingdom realities. He told them this parable. Everybody say this with me the, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Now, what yielded the harvest? The ground did. Okay, remember that. And he says, verse 17, he thought to himself, what shall I do? Because there's an abundant harvest now. I have no place to store my crops. Why? Because he's already rich, has a lot of crops. Then he says, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus. Right Now, some of us would say, we don't have anything to come with that, brother. He's rich. He's got barns. I don't have a barn. He's got surplus. I don't have anything surplus, but I want to say that maybe you do. Have any of you ever had a garage sale? Yeah? Um, have any of you said, I need a bigger closet, right? Come on. I need, come on. Anybody ever, like you're fighting, anybody, you have to put stuff in the attic because it no longer fits in the garage, right? Any of you ever taken something to Goodwill or Salvation Army? If, if the answer to any of that and the answer to all of that is true of me, then you have surplus. Yes or no? Okay, all right. He says, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up. This is verse 19. You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. What? Eat, drink, and be merry. You didn't realize that was in the Bible, did you? You thought that was an old Nordic thing or something, right? (laughs) Saw it in a movie one. No, it's from the Bible, right? Now, this seems like the American dream, right here. Yes or no? Right? lay up plenty of grain for many years, travel, enjoy, have, so, have enough money to buy whatever you want now, save up enough money to buy whatever you want later, and if you've really done things well, you leave some stuff behind for your kids as well, and, and if you could do all that, you've, you've won, right? That's the American dream, hashtag blessed, hashtag winning, hashtag RV life. Come on, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> now, I'm guessing Jesus' audience, it's a huge crowd, by the way, Um, are thinking the same thing. This guy's got it going on. But then Jesus says, but God said to him, this rich man, you fool, racha, right? This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then, here's the question, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? What Jesus is saying is in life, we will run out of life before we run out of grain. And that's going to be the story for most of us. We'll run out of time before we run out of money. There's going to be some left over for the kids to get into squabbles over. Verse 21, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. The script that you and I are walking, the way that we are walking in this world, has a bad outcome, everybody. Now, before I go on, context. You always need to know context when you hear a, a text like this. Just before Jesus tells us this story, the Bible, Luke says that the crowd is so large that they're trampling each other, trying to get to Jesus. At some point after he's teaching about certain things, a guy calls up, Jesus, make my brother share the inheritance with me. And, and Jesus is like, man, I'm not your judge. And then he gives them verse 15, which is the context. He said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So this is a greed story. The question that that God asks the rich guy is really a question for all of us. And he says to him, then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? And the answer is, somebody else will. Not because this guy was generous, but because this guy was dead. It's not because he, he he didn't give it, he just couldn't take it with him. Or he would have. Now at this point, Jesus pulls out of the parable and he says to the audience, Now this is this is how it will be, and what he's saying, this the story I've just told, the way I've illustrated this story, this is how it will be for anybody who doesn't be rich towards God, he says, total and complete lost. Everything has in everything was left behind. He ate, he drank, he was married, and then he died, and he had nothing to show for his life except himself. This is how it will be. For anyone who stores up for themselves but is not rich towards God. And just for the record, Jesus is not saying don't plan for the future. Like the whole book of Proverbs has, is loaded with save for the future. Here's what Jesus is saying. This is how it will be for anyone who only prepares for the future and is not rich towards God. Notice the word rich towards God. This is how it will be for anyone who braces the consumption assumption that it's all for my consumption. That's what this guy does. I'll build bigger barns. And in the end, total loss, because when we put us first, we inevitably come in last. Do you remember what money told us in part one? Money said, I can add meaning to your life, but I'm not the meaning of life. This is the right lens. This is the right way to view money, that money can add meaning to our lives because money is a tool. This is what Jesus is telling us. Money is a tool when it is used to do good. Right? And if it, 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 it adds meaning to our life, the rich man, he doesn't realize this. He, he thought money was a gift, was an entitlement, a reward to sit back and enjoy, to eat, drink, and be merry. And Jesus teaches us that our money is, is a tool to provide for what we need, yes, but to do good. And that's how it adds meaning to our lives. And here's the question. Here's the question I wanna leave you with. To what ends, can I get it? Uh. Yeah, apparently we don't have it there. To, oh yeah, it's not your all's fault. It's my fault. I'm, I'm ahead of myself. To what end do you want your life to be a means? To what end do you want your life to be a means? If something is a means to an end, it has to have meaning. If it is not a means to an end, it has no meaning. And in the end, this guy has nothing to show for himself but himself. To what end Do you want your life to be a means? In other words, what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? I remember going to a funeral uh, 15, 16 years ago in Houston, Texas. I didn't know this woman. Her name was Molly Thompson. She and her husband were missionaries to the country of Columbia for, I don't know, 40, 50 years. They came back home to retire in Houston. They attended the church where I was working. And I had never met Molly Thompson because she had been uh, stuck at home because of her health. So I go to the funeral, and I see her there. And there are people that I've never seen before, lots of them. All of them, as it turns out, had come from Columbia. They did not have a lot of money, but here they were in Houston, Texas. And one after one, one after another, they came up on the stage and they said, "Miss Molly, when I was sick, she came to my village, she crossed, they were talking about how she crossed a raging rivers and how she hiked through the woods to come to where they were and brought food, brought clothing, brought help, prayed for them, loved on them, one after another. Each person, the story was more like, what? Unbelievable story, one after another, after another. Rachel and I were sitting there and I was, I was at a loss for words at the magnitude of this woman's life. Poor, didn't have anything at the end, didn't have much money. But she was rich in all the ways that mattered. And I remember thinking, how do you live that kind of life where people at their own expense would come from that far to celebrate the life that you live? To what end do you want your life to have meaning? I'm guessing it won't be that you people remember you for being the guy who had the best stuff or the most stuff. And here's what I want you to know. If you don't figure this out, life will figure this out for you. Your proclivities, your appetites, your desire for more Bigger, newer, shinier will dictate the answer to the question. Culture will pull you towards she ate, she drank, she was married, Mary, and then she died. Nobody chooses that story, but that is the story of most people. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And the beautiful thing about that is it works in both ways, meaning that if you want to change where your heart is, then you change where your treasure is. You change the, if you want to change where your heart is, you don't like where your heart is, then you change the flow of the direction of, of your treasure. So when you decide this, you give from, this is an Andy Stanley statement, this give from a grateful heart and give from a broken heart. Give from a grateful heart is this, you choose a place that you're really grateful for um, because of what it's done for your family or because of what it's done in, in your heart you give a portion, a percentage of your money there, could be your church, could be your, your school, your kid's school, right? An organization that has, that you're really grateful for. The, the second thing is you give up at a broken heart, meaning that there are things in our world that you go, that's not right, somebody should fix that. And then you find organizations that are trying to fix the thing that breaks your heart. And so you give from a grateful heart and you give from a broken heart. But the key is to decide ahead of time. I'm gonna give some, but what percentage are you gonna give? I'm gonna save some, but what percentage are you gonna save? I'm gonna live on some, what percentage are you gonna live on? So one more time. To what ends do you want your life to be a means? And you should know the answer to that question before you spend yourself and your family into a position where you can't address what matters most to you, or you can't show gratitude for what you're most grateful for. I hear it all the time. People say, I would give, but what you want to do is figure that out so that you can give from a grateful heart and you can give from a broken heart. Put your money in, in, in kingdom activities where God's plan for the world where God's kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Put it there and your your heart will naturally follow where your treasure is. That's true, right? Think about the place that you live right now. A lot of you live where you live because the schools there are good. Is that wrong? No. Your Your heart is in your kids, so your treasure is in your kids. And Jesus says, yes to that, but make sure that I'm first in your life as Paul said again, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And and if this is right, and I think it is right what I'm saying, if it's right, I'd ask you to pray about that. God help me with this. If you have anger or angst right now in your heart because I'm talking about money, I'd ask you to pray about that. Why? Why do you feel that way? Like I would ask you to pray about that. Maybe this isn't all those Christians and those pastors. Maybe this is a heart issue. Are there Christians and pastors that handle their money wrong? Yes. Yes. Does that change God's laws, God's principles, God's ways? No. God, I pray about that. I'm going to ask you to help me, God. And, 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 And listen, I know I'm not the boss of you. Okay, everybody look at me. I know I'm not the boss of you. You are... You sure? Because it feels like you're trying to tell me you are. No, I'm not. Everybody with me? I'm not the boss of you. But here's, here's what I would challenge you with. Over the next 60 days, maybe, choose a percentage of your income, whether it's a, a bonus or a, whatever it is, however, whatever form you can, and, and, and give a percentage of it first. From a grateful heart, wherever that is, and, and out of a broken heart, wherever that, whatever, wherever that is. Start there, start first. Kingdom concepts, like Jesus, you are first in my life. And if you say, well, what, what, what's the number? Well, there's an ideal. I believe there's an ideal. I believe the Bible's clear about an ideal. But if you're over here in the real and you're like, uh, I'm given 1% of my income, the average American, Christian average Christian American uh, gives 2% of their income, 2%. Average Christian. Not any better than the average non-Christian, by the way. Just for the record. Um, if it's 1%, then say, okay, I'm going to go to 2%. I'm over here in the real. That's the ideal. I'm going to just, I'm going to try it. God God says through the prophet Malachi, test me in this and see if I won't pour out. Test me in it, he says. Try it. And just see if something starts to happen in your heart. I've taught this to my children, y'all. You know why I taught it to my children? Because those people right over there, they taught it to me. My mother, if I got a dollar, my mother, we had these little yellow envelopes at our church. They were so small. It's like they weren't believing for big money to come in there. What are we supposed to put in that thing, right? My mother would have me put a dime in there. Put your name on it, Daniel. It's not, a, it's not a tithe if you don't put it in an envelope. It's just an offer. Put it in the envelope. So I'll put it in the envelope, right? Now we have, we have different ways of doing that. And they taught that to me. So listen, I know it's hard for some people because Dave Ramsey says the average American lives on 109% of their income. That's a problem, by the way. Um, it's hard, but it's not hard for me because I've never not done this because those people right over there put that in me. I saw how it worked in their life. I'm teaching my children this, not because I want my children's money, everybody, because I don't want money to have my kids. So, so, so I want them to know, I want them to know, give, save, live. I hope you'll, I hope you'll try it. It's a way. I think it's the way that leads To the best outcomes my opinions for whatever it's worth lord thank you so very much for the word of the lord thank you for this story jesus that you told us and i pray god that it would uh resonate with people god and that people who are anxious right now or feel whatever they're feeling that if it's not of you that they wouldn't feel that god that they would pray about all of this lord um Not because we want something from them, but because we want something for them, God. And I just pray that you would give us clarity and clear hearts and clear minds. And and I also pray, because this takes real courage. This takes real courage. So I'm praying, God, that you would give us the courage and the wisdom to to do this well, Um, to take steps, to start with gratitude. Let's take another step of generosity. I'm praying this over your people. God, I pray your blessings and your strength and your goodness and your grace over them in Jesus' name. God, say a good amen. 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 Thank you guys so much. God bless you. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsacom slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week, and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.